John studied her quietly while she fussed at Ashburton. Something about her seemed familiar, tweaked at his memory. Surely he'd remember someone so... vivid. He couldn't think of a better word. On top of her head, a precarious knot of hair appeared to be held in place by a single pencil. It wasn't very effective, judging by the amount of hair that had already escaped. As the women moved closer, he could see the broken point on the blue pencil. It matched the rest of her clothes, a man's blue work shirt that came almost to the knees of her faded jeans, and a pair of worn running shoes. He'd be willing to bet the counter where she worked came to just above her waist, evidenced by a horizontal streak of brownish stains across the front of her shirt. She was still grousing. Venice, why do we have to do this right now? I had to leave the dark room to meet you here. My dear, do I detect the odor of rotten eggs? You really should be more careful in the kitchen. That sepia toner. Thank you very much. I was not cooking, I was working. She tucked a long tangle of hair behind her ear. Thinking it a good time to intervene, John stepped forward. Mrs. Ashburton, I'm John Gerard. Venice, ignoring Kate, touched his hand. Please call me Venice. And this, she indicated without looking at her companion, is my friend Kate McGuire. Kate, this is the young man I told you about. She smiled and took the chair he held for her. Kate, looking embarrassed, shook John's hand and dropped into a chair. Sorry, I didn't realize you were here. I was just telling Venice I don't think this is a good idea. I don't see how we can possibly help you. Venice interrupted before Kate could say more. He understands, Kate, but he's trying to find out all he can about Kelly Landrum. The sudden appearance of Helmut Cush, the restaurant's burly owner, halted their conversation. He carried a round aluminum tray loaded with white crockery. I know that it is coffee for you, Kate. He placed two cups on the table so the handles were parallel to the edge. I serve only coffee and tea. None of that pop. I brought coffee because the tea is not made. And also, he said to John, you do not look like a tea drinker. Venice must wait. Coffee's fine. Thanks. John looked up at the big flower-dusted man. He looked more like a Monday night wrestler than a baker. But the mouth-watering scent of baking bread followed him from the kitchen, and John was hooked. Venice nodded at the reference to her tea and asked for a slice of soccer tort. You needn't be afraid to eat in here. Helmet uses only real food. No artificial ingredients. And he does all the cooking himself. Mm, Helmet, I want a big piece of apple strudel. Kate smiled at the man towering above her. That sounds good. Apple strudel for me, too, John said without looking up. He watched the light shining on the nimbus of bright hair that framed Kate's face. Every time she moved her head, another strand slid out of the knot. He was fascinated, waiting for the pencil to fall. Helmut took the orders in silence and went back to the kitchen. Venice turned to John. 
Let me explain how we found Kelly. Kate saw her first. Venice, Kate glared at the older woman, clearly disapproving. We didn't find her, and I did not see her. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I have no information about Kelly Landrum. I am not a psychic, Mr. Gerard. Her smile had a fixed look. Please, call me John. Psychic. Inwardly he groaned.